This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, Redefining Yoga listeners. We've got a big update for you. We're revamping our podcast and we're now proudly known as Redefining Movement. We've always been more than just yoga, but we feel that the word movement really encompasses you and why you come here. And that's not all the changes we're making. We're also slowing down our cadence a bit to five fantastic episodes a month. Why, you ask? This will allow us to be more intentional with the top-notch content that you already love and know. And guess what? We've got some incredible special series lined up that you won't want to miss. Get ready for even higher quality interviews, expert insights, and a fresh perspective on movement. So hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop. Keep moving. It's a thrilling journey, and we're excited to have you along for the ride. Hey, I want you to stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, and go sign up for our newsletter. We have the link in the show notes, and you need to get on it now because it is full of information. Our Lit newsletter comes out once a week, and it has everything that's happening in the Lit community, including classes, workshops, retreats, free classes, on and on. Plus, we have blog with recipes, articles, and every week we have a PT corner written by one of the many PTs in our lit community. So we can help you with knee pain, text neck issues, pelvic floor discomfort, so much more. So join our newsletter, go to that link in the show notes. I'm Laura Hyman and welcome to Redefining Movement, a lit podcast designed to investigate all aspects of movement from my background in physical therapy and neuroscience. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter movement patterns and compassion for ourselves and others, so together we can live our most uplifted lives, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer with enthusiasm and glee. I'm joined by my bright, cheerful, brilliant, amazing, co-host Kristen Williams. Hey everybody. Hey Laura. So good to be here. I could echo all those sentiments and more right back at you. Yeah. Ah, we um, love thank you so much. Well, let's get started. Got a question here from Rachel Davis. Rachel wrote, Dear Laura and Kristen, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. 
After hearing the question from the lady about sciatica, I've joined your platform. Yeah. Recently had a flare-up of sciatic in my right leg, and I started doing the classes that Kristen has online for a sciatica mobility, hoping it will ease. I know from previous MRI scans that I have mild disc herniation L4, L5, L5S1. My pain is like a tight wire down my back of my leg and calf and heel. Sometimes it's in the front of the shin. I'm struggling with the inconsistency of pain. It's definitely worse in the evening. I try to be as mobile as possible in the day, but do have a desk job. I've also had a prolonged issue with my right knee that has improved, but I know my mobility in right hip is much more limited than on left side. I wonder if you had any further advice. I think your podcast and online classes are excellent. I'm passionate about functional movement for others and now need to help myself. So let's just review again. She is, pain is like a tight wire down the back of my leg, half and heel of the right leg and the right hip. Um, the, or the right hip. I mean, she's kind of staying it right here, which is, I, I just, if you have low back issues, quote unquote, whether it's pain, disc, whatever, you are probably not mobile enough in your hips. And then you give us a second hint, which is that you have a desk job. And it, bless your heart, anybody that has a desk job, me included, Kristen included, like you can try and be mobile and it's hard if you are if the demands of your job require that you're sitting at a desk, um, even I would say for three hours, much less eight hours. So, but you said so much right here. So I'll just pitch in and then I'm going to let um, KB take over. But, you know, this is what's so important. You already know you've had right knee pain. Right knee pain is almost always because of lack of mobility and strength below or above ankle and hip. And then what's, if your hip isn't moving well enough, so just imagine you're sitting, you've been sitting for an hour, you decide to get up, you come back, but your time sitting is long, even if you get up every once in a while. And your hip has been in a flex position. You probably, and, and when your hip is sitting, when you're sitting in a chair, you're, you are at some level, guarding with your hips because your pelvis isn't in the most stable position. It's really stable the way I'm sitting. I'm sitting on the floor. This is the most stable position for the pelvis. My hips are flexed. I mean, like a lot of people can't do this anymore because they've, they've decreased their hip mobility. So sitting on the floor doesn't feel so good. But sitting on the floor is ultimately one of the best positions for pelvic stability. I'm getting a ton of support, my center of mass, my, my, my legs are, you know, the levers are shortened. When you get up and your pelvis is off the ground, so it's the weight is in the chair, the muscles surrounding it are inclined neurologically to be at some low level of tightening. And that could be the front of your legs, the, the, quad, the quad muscles, they attach knee and, and pelvis. Um, the pelvic, you know, the, the hip flexors attach on the front of the pelvis. So they're going to be shortened not shortened like length of muscle, but neurologically tense to try and give your pelvis some stability. So you come up to stand and you're going to figure out a different way. Your low back has probably been helping you move. You might walk and have a little bit of a, like a kind of rotation because those hip flexors, and it might not be all the time. It might not be much that anyone without an eagle eye could spot, but if there's any, that's too much. And so you need to work on your hip flexion 
you need to work on hip extension, of course, because if you try and walk and extend your hip, but it's tight in front, your low back is going to let your pelvis tip to, to accommodate that. Or you'll walk like a little duck footed or you'll kind of rotate your pelvis. There's different, you know, we've seen all the different gait patterns people can do. So um, everything you're doing is great, but I would also work on like go to our, we have a series, it's called Start Here Series. It's simple 10 minute or less for each body part. I go to the hip and do a lot of stuff for your hip and really get clear how to move in the hip without moving in the pelvis and see if that helps. You might be too directly trying to get into the area and instead of the root cause. I could say a lot more, but let me turn it to you. No, I, I agree with you. You know, especially, you know, if you've gone in and you've done the sciatica series and it's not really cutting it, then that's an indication that like the, those exercises, the first two classes of that series are just drills that are really focused right on people who have sciatica slash lumbar radiculopathy, which you certainly present like you have. You've got that line down the back. It feels tight. You get, you know, it goes around to the front of the shin. You have classic presentation. But if that's not working, we need to look at other things you can do. I mean, amen, sister. She's sitting all day. That's just, we, we can't change that. You've got a job to do. But, you know, can you change what you're doing? Can you change the way you're sitting? You know, maybe you need to put a lumbar support behind you for 30 minutes and then take it out and then put it back in and then take it out. Maybe you need to stand up, get a standing desk for 30 minutes and then sit back down. Maybe you need to stop and do some rotation, stop and do some hip work, like you said. You know, drop on your floor, do some of the stuff from the Start Here series. You know, what you're on, unfortunately, you're in the position with your job that is really putting you at a disadvantage than say someone else who isn't sitting at a desk all day. So you've got something going on in, at the disc, at the sciatic nerve, whatever it is. And then it's only exacerbated by the fact that you sit all day. So no matter what you do, as soon as you get out of the chair, you go, you do our exercises, you, you for 30 minutes, an hour, it's just not enough. You know, you need not enough by way of you're spending three-fourths of your life in a of your day in a chair and a fraction not. Um, so, you know, find ways to move. And yes, you need to be moving through your hips better. Your knee was a great example of the fact that you're probably not, like Laura said, you know, moving well in the hip or the ankle. Take a look at the ankle. Are there any, is there any other exercise thing that you like to do. I think a lot of people who work at a desk all day, they tend to go to a gym afterwards and they get on a bike or they get on a treadmill, which is just more sagittal plane stuff. My brother is a classic example of it. He's had two back surgeries because he sits at a desk all day and then he goes and rides a bike, which like, I'm like, yay, that's like, you know, great that you're exercising, but arguably the worst choice. <laughs> For someone yeah. with back issues who sits all day to get in another seated position, forward flexed over a bike for an hour or more riding for your yeah. cardio. Just you know? like so, make this hips even less mobile. 
even less mobile. So I love that, you know, Laura brought up hip extension. You know, if you can't extend at the hip and you can't dorsiflex at the ankle, the two places that are going to get beat up are the knee and the back, you know, so ankle, how, how does that, how does it mobilize? Because this all seems to be manifesting on your right side. So there's something in your setup that isn't balanced. And that is where having a, a good eye look at it, whether it's a it's a movement professional, it's a it's a physical therapist. Arguably, I would say doing a private session with someone is way better than going to a, a clinic because they we we and I say we myself have been there too. We're kind of forced into a tunnel vision, but if you can go to someone who can look at you more holistically. That'll give you more hey, information. Kristen does privates. I do privates, but I mean, just look on our site under privates. Yeah. One session is is often sufficient, really um, starting a huge, you know, change in the direction that you're going because, again, we're going to help you treat the causes of this versus just the symptoms. And you may need a little boost. You may need, you know, last week we were talking about corticosteroids. You might need a little, you know, medrol dose pack to break this this cycle you have got yourself in, and then the movement might work better. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's just a lot. There's so many things at your disposal that I think could really you look help. at your rib cage. You know, she mentioned thoracic mobility. Like, it's a lot. You have to look. You have to look at the whole body. Where what's your head doing? It's like there's so much. And you have an area that is barking, but it probably isn't the cause. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the um the victim for lack of a better word, but it's the it's it's what's you have so I think the change is maybe yeah, not trying to treat it treat sciatica, but treat the movement impairment. Yeah. All right. All right. So we've got another question here from one of our lit teachers over in Europe. Um, pull this up here. Our friend Nicola. She says, some people seem to have trouble with lifting their arms and softening their shoulders. It looks like they always pull their shoulders up towards their ears when they go into cactus arms. We call that goalpost also, for example. What is the cause and what can I do to help slash fix this? Thanks as always for your great podcast. You know, and so, I mean, this is an, it's, this is an interesting topic because a common cue that we hear in yoga, traditional yoga is lift your arm. When people lift their arms up overhead, they are cued to soften or draw the shoulders away from the ears, which is not something that we cue in lit because it makes no biomechanical sense. You know, the scapula, the shoulders should lift forward and up when you bring the arms all the way up by the ears. Now, what Nicola is talking about, I think, is more of a goalpost position. So if you're watching us on YouTube, by the way, a lot of people prefer the YouTube method. So check us out there. You can see what I'm doing. I'm in this goalpost slash cactus arms. And I think she's talking about people who are drawing their shoulders up here. They're really kind of recruiting this upper trapezius to shrug the shoulders up. And she's asking how can we get them to just release that tension? Because you really don't. Yes, the upper trapezius plays a huge role in the scapulohumeral rhythm. It works. It, it you know in, in in coupling with the lower trapezius and, and your serratus and your levator scapula. They all work, you know, in concert to to bring your arms up. 
but it should be balanced. Um, what I found is usually if I just draw someone's attention to it, you know, release your shoulders. Like, it, it, I, you know, where else I see it, Laura, is in, um, uh, is in like not cobra, but I think like uh, locust. People all of a sudden are like this and locust, and it's like just relax your no, shoulders down. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. You know, I think that this kind of drawing of the shoulders up is a common. The, the, uh, the upper traps are funny. They're 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 overused in many ways, and they're underutilized in 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 many ways too. And that's what scapula humor with them is. It's finding a balance. So for me, if I'm in in person, I will just come up to somebody and rest my hands right there on their their shoulders between the neck and the point of the shoulder, and just apply a little pressure. And they go, oh, they do it. in Warrior two is another one. You see warrior two, their shoulders are drawn up to their ears and just getting them. I don't ever cue like draw your shoulders down because again, then people tend to go in the other extreme. Like, like there should be an elevation of sorts, but most people you're elevating right to that 90 degree position that we actually like the shoulder to be in. So, re you know, resting the hands on there, I will say, you know, relax the shoulders, you know, draw the shoulders away from the ears, but not down. Cause I think that, you know, they realize that they're up here. What are some other things that you do for that, Lara? Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. I would address under the armpit and the sternum because the people that are probably doing that, it's become like a movement pattern. And it might be because they, their pecs are um, kind of chronically shortened. And then that's just the upper trap is almost maybe levator scapula is almost triggered to do this as they move the arms. It, so if, if you can get the sternum like lifted up without thrusting the ribs and then the armpit feeling of lifting, it's like you're getting the buttressing from around and helping what I think is the beginning of the issue is that usually there's some kind of chest compression. That's what I've seen. Like when people go up, it's like, they don't have any space because they haven't gotten the buttresses of the clavicles broad. And so the upper, because of the way that there's shared fossil connections between upper trapezius and some of the pec muscles, scalenes, et cetera, it's just like all that just gets congested. So the easiest thing to do is lift up versus think of like the lifting of the ribs the lifting of the sternum, and then the lifting of the armpit muscles, which is going to be, you know, once the serratus is contributing, like you said, the upper trap doesn't have to do as much. They work collaboratively to help the beginning of that uh, rotation. So I would look, where's their head? What's happening in the, like, sternum? And, and, and like, the broadness of the clavicles. Like, so, because, again, if that's just a little bit rounded forward, it's almost signaling the only way to get the arms up is to shrug because they, you just don't get any of the the other muscles to work. You know, so um, try that. Try all the things and let's get back to us. Like, you know, everybody's a little different, but you kind of have to see like, this is where when we talk about posture, like it's informing us the starting position, not only how the bones are aligned, but how the then tissues, there's four muscles underlying that work in collaboration, how they are all pre-wired to either engage or not as much. 
And so that's why you do have to look at the positioning because it's it's going to dictate some of that. And then it becomes a habit. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up the neck because in the head, you know, I think people, yes, when they're forward, they come up. And then if you right here, yeah. up to lift through the crown of the head, they don't and lengthen in the, in the cervical spine, yeah. naturally draw down to kind yeah, of get exactly crown of the yeah. head. I see that happen a lot in an airplane where people will automatically go, gravity just pushes those shoulders forward. As soon as you cue to reach, you know, with the crown of the head, they naturally draw the scapula. And I think that's probably what's happening in locus too. It's like their, their shoulder, they're all the way down versus like kind of having a little bit of a buttress with the, you know, in Cobra with the sternum up, they're all the way down and then they lift. And if they're rounded, they're just going to kind of shrug up. So I yeah. think it's just a, it's just the setting point for how things fire. And yeah, like you said, bringing awareness to it. But that's why cues are really important because, and that's why we try and stay away from like, you know, drop your shoulders down, pull the shoulders away from the ears, because that isn't going to translate into these understanding of collaboration of, you know, the triple S, the yeah. wings, you know, the scat, you know, all those things. So, um, yeah. Good question. You have, to, you have to try a ton of different cues because not all of them. Totally. Land. I mean, we I, we've all changed our cues over the years, and I feel like I've said some, and then people are like, I feel like I never heard that before, and I'm like, I maybe I'm just saying it slightly differently. Yeah. All right, we have one more question, and this is from Gail Jan Yoga. I have a question for your podcast. In Warrior One, with your back toes turned out about thirty degrees, forty-five degrees, if you pull the hip of the back leg forward just enough to feel a good stretch in your back calf without feeling your knee being torqued or twisted. Is that safe for your knee or does any action of trying to bring the hip of your back leg forward with the back heel down and your foot slightly turned out at an angle twist and hurt that knee? Uh, Okay, this is going to be like one huge leap between traditional yoga and the way we teach because I would never tell somebody what angle that foot should be because that's then telling them the angle their hip should be without moving their pelvis, keeping their pelvis neutral. And that's going to be completely different for different people. Some people might barely turn out and it would be like five or 10 degrees, but that's really keeping an honest pelvis and then a you know, neutral spine. And that's not actually the best way to even assess that hip because you got it extended and externally rotated. So it's not going to be the biggest external rotation range. And that's fine, right? Like having the knee bent, having the femur neutral and not being extended uh, like out in goddess, that that's, can give you a good idea of like the range of external rotation. But certainly having somebody thinking of 25, 30, 45, like no. This is how we teach it. And this is, Gail, this is, and I know that you have been uh, taught in a various types of ways. So that I always say, try it. See if it works for you. Um, I believe as PTs, we have an understanding of this from biomechanical, uh, you know, understanding different, you know, male pelvis versus female pelvis, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I, I always say, like, if you never do a warrior one, you're not missing out. Like it's it can it can be a wonderful anchor and elongation of your front fascial line and the 
good kind of dorsiflexion position, but there's a lot of other ways you can do that without also simultaneously ha having to, you know, mind the pelvis and the spine, et cetera, much less have your arms lifted in flexion. So um, I say get in a crescent lunge, a really high one, like where you're really lifted, and then just externally rotate that back foot, your heels off the ground already, back, I'm sorry, externally rotate the back hip, and then land the heel without anything turning, the ribs, the pelvis, anything. That, and then you don't have to put, and then I would not ever suggest pushing forward in that position because you're in such a, um, the labrum ha has forked in that external rotated position, which gives it a lot of stability. Then you don't want to press into it. That's a, that's kind of a formula for like, not for anterior hip um, issues. Like that is, so the answer is, my warrior one, if you looked at it, is not glamorous. It's uh, like I am way up my my front knee, never near a 90 degree angle. It's way high because what I'm doing is how are my femurs? The legs are like the um, the ladies in waiting for the pelvis. They are serving that pelvis. I am not trying to go deeper, wider. It is how do I serve my pelvis to keep that energy going up into through the spine? And so not trying to lunge more into a hip capsule or labor or anything like that. Um, so I would try that and teach that way because honestly, if I see or hear another person who's hurt their labrum from yoga, it just, it just makes me want to cry. And we've seen so many. I'm not saying this does it, but it doesn't help it. So how do you serve the pelvis? with strong legs and they do not have to be bent in that night. Like, again, these were male yogis that came up with this, these alignment cues that are super rigid and are not accommodating and are not inclusive. Yeah. And I mean, I think about my, you know, warrior one, think about the width of your stance too. you know, step your feet apart. I think a traditional warrior one is much more narrow, which is probably why they do turn that foot out so much. You know, but if you widen your stands, like you've always used the term and I still use it like like you're on train tracks, like you're standing on train tracks because why? That allows your pelvis to stay forward. And then if you just land that heel, who I don't even think about the angle of what it's at. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like you are. I cue from the pelvis. You want that pelvis to be square. You want it because if it's too far back behind you. It's go you it can't not tip anteriorly, which is gonna go into your low back. And then yes, to your point, if you try to then push it forward, it's gonna go into the hip capsule. It's gonna go right into that anterior hip. And then yes, she's talking about the knee. The knee, you know, when we start twerking from above or below, the knee, the knee has a bit of rotation, but I'm talking degrees, like fewer sure. than 10. And any other twisting through the knee is going through the ligaments, you know, going where they shouldn't be. Especially you know. a loaded foot, you know, that's like how you, you know, a loaded foot in back and trying to then go. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even, that's the knee because you don't worry about the knee if you're set up for your hips and hell, this is good. Yeah. So like for me, the game changer is the width of the stance for most yeah. people, most women, especially we have wider pelvises, you know, yeah. we need wider stance in order to, I love that you said, to serve the pelvis. 
you know, and, and I'm like you, mine is never low. I'm up high people. When I go to traditional yoga class, cause when I travel, I like to go around and just, I, you know, I love to experiment and see what people are doing. And people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, and then I, you know, they're like, gosh, what a weak practice. And then of course you bump up into a handstand and whatever. And they're like, oh shit, she is uh, strong. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I'm just practicing differently. I'm practicing to preserve my body because I want to do lit. Mm-hmm. I don't even anymore. I want to do lit for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and here's what I would always ask, whether you're practicing vinyasa yoga or some other kind of yoga or any kind of movement practice, when you're in something, how is it feeling in your body? Yeah. That is true autonomy. That is truly like taking ownership. This this is not anyone telling you how it should look like, what the alignment should be. No. What does it feel like in your body? And what I want to feel is light, strong, capable of moving in a variety of transitions from that. So to your point, when you really go deep in a warrior one, I'm telling you, it is like a a bowspring to your back to get out of it, to transition. And the number of people when we do end up kind of challenging that and through inquiry, like try it this way. And the number one question is why that never felt good for me. I don't know why I did that. You know? That's number, number one question uh, that never felt good. And yet they still did it because there was like this aura around a movement practice, especially like yoga, where you, you just do what you're told and there's like some kind of hierarchy and bl- it's all bullshit. Like, what does it feel like in your body? This is a chance. I look at this lit practice as an opportunity to get to know you better, to serve you better for today and for decades to come. And that that is not, you can't ever compare it to anyone around you because your history is different, your habits are different, your wiring is different, how you, but there are similarities in the body. That's what's beautiful. In a group class, we can teach it and it can be applied and the outcome can look different, but the understanding and application is the same because there are so, there are gross similarities in biomechanics between people and you know there are obviously people on ends of the spectrum hypermobility super rigid you know but in general understanding your body and understanding uh what's supposed to be moving what's supposed to be stable is pretty much the same for everybody yeah well and i love i mean you can tell gail's questioning it you know she's yeah she's yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yep i know oh. she is and she's smart so all right, Gail, get back to us on that. And um, yeah, we again, we're giving you just our very honest and passionate opinion because we've seen the, um, you know, this is what we do. We live, we breathe, we believe in it. Uh, we walk the talk like we're both, you know, really feeling um, aging is fun and not daunting because we're taking care of ourselves and we understand our body. And we're serving it. And that's the thing. You got to serve yourself. Um, so do that. Check out our classes. I would, if you've never done a lit class, start off, do our posture challenge series. It's 20 minutes, 20 days. The two of us teach it. You're going to learn a lot of terminology. Every class is an education because we recognize out of the gates, practically no one learned anything about their body <laughs> growing up. 
unless you went to PT school, you or some other kind of schooling where you you just didn't learn it. And that's something that you know we really want to change with lit is we want to teach everyone about their bodies so that they can really be um, truly autonomous and truly serving themselves um, for this for all the things to feel better, to feel more capable and more adaptable, et cetera. So check out our classes on Lit Daily. You can always go to just um, our Lit Yoga site and click on, on online classes. We have a week free trial, a lot of classes to check out. You can also send us any questions. You can reach us on Instagram via DM at lara.hyman or kbwilliams99. Send us your questions. We'll answer anything you throw us. Yeah, also. ask us anything. And you can really have a strong opinion that we that is different than ours and say, hey, tell me, tell me your, you know, we're just telling you our opinion. So you could also write us anytime at support at lightyoga.com. You can also say, hey, I want this to be anonymous. I'm just asking for me, but I don't want it out in the world. We're cool with that too. Ask anything. And know as always, we're pulling for <laughs> you. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, who would think all right bye everybody thank you for joining us on this episode of redefining movement if you like what you've heard please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast feel free to leave us a rating and review or share with someone you know check us out at www.litmethod.com 